Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Hi, welcome back to Money in the Air, the neighboring rights podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. And our special guests are Lionel Lodge and Dennis Dreeth. Lionel Lodge, CEO of Sync Lodge, and Dennis Dreeth, chairman of Transparency Entertainment Group. And between them, they are composers, artists, musicians, and music supervisors. And that's important because today we're going to talk about the music cue sheets for sync and the information required. Dennis, tell us what you think is the most important information to have on a cue sheet. So I think we want to kind of back up a half a second from that and say, you know, for everybody who doesn't understand, cue sheets for composers and publishers up to the point really are your gateway to being paid for your work when it's broadcast. If you don't have all your music listed on a cue sheet, chances are you're not going to be paid uh, royalties when, that, when, that, when, the, uh, when the program that you've written the music for or songs you publish is used in the television, the motion picture, all those kind of things. So and I will say that in the past, cue sheets really served the purpose of the PROs, the you know ASCAP, CSAC, PRS, those kind of organizations. Um, so the cue sheets served their purpose and kind of morphed into something that was just designed for that only. And what they needed was the type of uh, how long something was played, what the usage was. Was it a visual background? Was it a main theme? Those kind of things. Many of us working in other areas, uh, audiovisual particularly, began to use cue sheets to find other things, to help identify which portions of a score are underscore versus licensed music and those kind of things. So the one thing I've always felt needed to be included in that was some performance information. It's not enough just to include the title of the song, for example, that's licensed in a movie and the publisher, but we need to know if that was an original recording, re-recorded for that movie, or if it's a sound recording. So we've long wanted, in addition to all the other information that's there, really sought to get other information in terms of the sound recording itself. You know, is it a licensed recording? Who's the artist? What version of that is? So if we could only include those things as well on the cue sheet, we'd be so much further along and be able to help collect audiovisual rights. Now the cue sheet is morphed into something more important than just something that the um, that the performance rights organizations use. Now CMOs are beginning to rely on those for a great deal of information. I happen to agree. It's one of the things that we've put on that's never on a cue sheet, in my experience, is the ISRC number. And of course, you don't have neighboring rights unless you have an ISRC number. And one of the things that we found very important in dealing with producers is having them register the recordings softly and as a release. So they have an ISRC number with them as rights holders if it's not a pre-existing recording. Couldn't agree more. I think uh, in those ISRCs really identify uh, exactly which specific sound recording, for example, is used. Uh, it really, that is so important. Um, and if we can just get even just that, you know, I, I realize gonna, it's a push to get things, but just even one more piece of information would be hugely important. One of my frustrations with cue sheets is that there so far hasn't been a standard. 
And being a tech company, we come up against the problem with not having standards in a basic document like a cue sheet. It's a basic tool and it's used all over the world, but every, every PRO seems to have a different format form. And with different formats, machines can't easily read them. People can, but you can't actually put it through the work chain. If you're sending it to ASCAP or BMI, do they actually physically put it in? Do they type everything back in? How do they read these things? If, unless I'm doing it under their format, visual production company, and I'm going to have something released in the States, and maybe I'm going to also have it released in the UK, and maybe in Australia, then I have to have build different cue sheets for all, which is frustrating. This is so I, I really like the idea of having a standard, coming up with a standard. And the talk about putting in for the first time the recording information. Yes, this is this seems like a, a basic thing. The information is there when the people are putting music into the visual production. They do have that information. They're dealing with the master rights owners. So why not put that into the cue sheet? We can even yeah. and on top of it, we've talked about putting in the performers as well for the neighboring right. rights. Right? Yep. Let's have one document that covers all the stakeholders that should be covered as far as for usage in visual production. Let's have one document that covers everybody. This is a this we, we wonderful thing. I agree completely with you as well. Um, Gina, do you ever register cue sheets as evidence with say PPL or any other CMO? To be honest with you, I don't. We see very, very few, but I'm totally there with Lionel. If only we were provided with them and if only they contain the performer information it would ensure that we could make so many more claims for the artists correctly and ensure that all their roles are listed as well, because that's the point is we don't always know. We would know a musician features on a recording, but we don't necessarily know all the roles. And because so many societies pay on multiple roles, we know PPL doesn't, but we know Germany do, for example, and Senna do. We want to know all those roles to make sure that we can claim the maximum for them. So yes, please please let's get one unison type style cue sheet that we can all use. That's great. Yep, absolutely. When we finalize it, we will put it up in the members area of the IFR website so everyone can use it, download it and use it. Tanya, what's your experience with cue sheets? I had a couple of clients who would produce cues, write cues, perform on the cues. You know, they did everything. They would send me their PRS kind of cue sheet details, which had a lot of info like ASCAP and BMI and such but of course you know it didn't tell me who's the artist you know who performed what, what what's the ISRC so then I would have to take their word and they'd be like I did all the instruments and my name as the songwriter name is also the artist name and that would allow me to register the cues at certain societies yeah, Germany, Belgium, there is another one that escapes me right now that don't need ISRCs so I could get them some income from some European territories that way. Would, so would this new cue sheet template help if it had all the additional information? Oh, yeah, definitely. It means I could register cues in more territories more efficiently. Definitely, yeah. Because, yeah, as you know, IS, an ISRC is so, so important and a lot of countries require them. But a couple in Europe, they don't need them. So that's why I just went ahead and did what I could there. Sound Exchange, per se, does not directly deal with audiovisual rights. All the audiovisual rights for Sound Exchange are passed through the AFM SAG after fund. 
So even the featured artist performances are captured and collected initially by the AF and SAG after fund and passed through to Sound Exchange. So what happens is Sound Exchange is not the entity that will be looking for the cue sheets. The AF and SAG after fund, however, uh, relies heavily on those cue sheets. Cue sheet is, you know, in, in the U.S. when it's when it's registered with one PRO, that's that information is shared. They register with all. So when you get uh, the ASCAP dump, you get all the cue sheets that you need. And the AF and SAG after fund is the entity that really does that. So Sound Exchange really doesn't have any interest in doing it. They don't do the research. Uh, for actually who's on the sound recordings. Part of the, the difference there, the AV rights are, are an important right to the fund, primarily because they also collect all, all those rights for non-featured performers. So the cue sheets are certainly a, a major component of being able to identify what's underscore, what's uh, a licensed sound recording, because they all have different components and different royalty rates that go with that. So it, it is it is critical. And um, and my understanding of the uh, proposed law uh, is that it really will not uh, include a protected right for uh, for AV the way it is in Europe. So that's still carved out slightly different. Um, so it does for sound exchange to really have a direct interest. In it really has to be even with the new law, it have to really be an audio only broadcast. It would really uh, be a component of that. I do want to point out that, you know, as bad as our situation is with cue sheets, um, I'm probably uh, the person who's been, you know, there from the beginning or the longest in this. And I remember the day when not only did we have different cue sheets for every PRO, but every studio, every production company, in some cases, every composer had their own format. You know, and, and it was uh, so it wasn't until the PROs began to say you have to like conform to our format, which was a huge you know, improvement, um, you know, and, and and what happened is when there was just no consistent format, even among the PRO, things fell through the cracks in an enormous amount. So, so we have come a long way, uh, not to mean that we don't have a great deal more to do, and we have a much, much longer way to go, but, but uh, the whole thing is, and, and I couldn't agree more with, with Lana, that we're really, you know, a standardized form across all platforms, all, all PROs that can be used for various things. And no matter what we do with the cue sheet, we still will have the problem of the non-featured performers. Uh, on large orchestral scores, we have uh, on any given session in excess of 100 musicians covered over the course of several days of recording. We can have as many as three or 400 musicians on a particular score. And I don't see any format that's going to be able to parse out who is on each particular cue. But still, the artists uh, associated with the sound recordings and, you know, and who is the conductor in the session, all those kind of the, the key information, at least give us a clue about where to look for the other things. So there's, it's not going to be a panacea to our problems, but it's certainly going to be a huge, huge step to, to solving, or at least being able to use the tools to find out ways to solve the problems. Thanks, Dennis. Mm -hmm. That's a really important distinction and a really good insight into how the land lies there. What will it be included in the new law with broadcast if it's not audio-visual? It would be everything audio, in other words, terrestrial radio, so AM, FM radio, all, all the basically it's to cover that. There's been a real push here. In the U.S., we are very much behind the rest of the world in many types of protections. And um, right now, we, we don't have, you know, um, complete protection in audio only. So the, you know, as, as you know, our broadcast rights, AM, FM radio uh, is just not a protected right for performers. The new law, when enacted, I want to say when, because we, you know, it's been if for a long time, I feel that, you know, sooner or later it, it's coming. Uh, and it'll probably come at a time when we finally get that and the rest of the world has finally um, agreed that streaming ha should have a neighboring right and we'll still be behind the curve on that. But nonetheless, we, we are catching up. Um, 
but the new law really will cover um, just basically uh, what is you know broad, traditional broadcast rights. Um, audiovisual has been pushed really hard, and the um, the MPAA themselves has been our biggest you know, sort of hurdle in terms of uh, audiovisual because um, they don't uh, they view it as that they can uh, collect that money here. The only real rights that are paid to performers for broadcast is uh, through a union agreement through collective bargaining. And uh, so the industry themselves has pushed very hard against that. Um, I think, you know, incorrectly assuming that they'd have to share the wealth, not realizing that there's, you know, additional wealth that's going to go to them as the rights holder. But, uh, but they've been our biggest sort of uh, roadblock in any kind of audiovisual right. And as anybody who's dealt with the U.S. Congress knows, what they want is they want the parties to agree and bring a solution to them. As soon as there's a, a rift between any of the parties, what happens is they just say, you guys go figure this out and come back to us when you have a solution. And of course, that's been years and years, you know, uh, in the making. But, you know, but audiovisual rights are becoming increasingly important. And at least at Transparence, we're seeing uh, some pretty significant increases for um, for our performers who are who are actually involved in that part of it, and you know, still the the fact that we get royalties from uh, Spain, Germany, and Brazil uh, are the primary sources that pay uh, U.S. performers absent any kind of reciprocity is significant, and we certainly hope that we can expand that. And a protected audiovisual right in this country would be a huge uh, boon because it would give us you know the right to go seek those rights in other territories. Thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. So just to clarify, the AFM is not receiving any audiovisual from U.S. sources, like broadcasters are not paying the AFM audiovisual anything. All the audiovisual is coming from international territories that have agreements with the AFM. Yeah, not really with the AFM, but the AFM SAG after fund. It's different for the, than the union itself. The union right. does have collective bargaining agreements that provide um, uh, a percentage of the producer's gross for exhibition, like when a motion picture is exhibited on cable, on pay television, and those kinds of things, or in other home video markets. But that's Collective, bar collective bargain and it is money that comes out of the producer's pocket, not a broadcaster. So the things that we thought were important to add besides the normal cue sheet stuff, like who the production company is and who the agency is, if it's an ad, we want to know precisely who's filling out this form and we want them to sign off on it. And we want them to get signatures from the people giving them the information, like the producers and the directors and the liaisons and the distributors. Other things that we've added, like we said, the ISRC, the performers, all the performers, featured and non-featured. And we want the composer to sign off as well because the score is so important. It can't be lumped in. It needs to be acknowledged separately. And we've also included the broadcast and distribution information. So it gives you the whole supply chain and all the parties involved, and all the information about usages. It's very important. It's not just whether or not it's doable. I think it really needs to be changed. I think the systems need to be updated. And this is something that, you know, looking at many different cue sheets, we, we came up with some had in the, the main information about the production, some had different bits of information, but having an inclusive like you said, covering all the aspects of the production and having different people sign off on it. I think this is very important because if it's not done right, then the people that should be paid don't get paid. 
that that is the you know it is a piece of paperwork that is, is supplies people's livelihood so it has to really be done correctly thank you so much everyone this was a great episode i really learned a lot and thank you guys for listening and remember go to www.iafar.co.uk and become a member have a good week <laughs>